March 22, 2022. Okta announced a data breach by a hacker group that is no stranger to this podcast. Lapsus. What is Okta? What exactly happened? What do we know about Lapsus? Well, I'll try to explain that to you today. This episode of Bite Size Cybercrime is being recorded on Sunday, March 27, 2022 at 10am Central Daylight Time, and all the information I am relaying is relevant up to this date. I researched up until the moment I recorded. If more information comes out, I will release an update episode, as we could learn more information over months. Now that that's out of the way, let's get right into the situation. First, for those who don't know, Okta is an identity and access management company based in San Francisco, and they basically provide software to companies so they can manage their users securely accessing and being authenticated to their applications. Okta provides services like multi-factor authentication and single sign-on, both of which are pretty common security practices. So. Yes, there is a lot of irony and confusion about Okta themselves being a victim of some sort of hack, and that brings up some possibly uncomfortable questions about their own security. The timeline starts January 20th of 2022, when Okta was investigating a cybersecurity incident. A new multi-factor authentication factor was added to a Seidel employee's account from a new location. Seidel is not directly part of Okta, but provides them with contract workers, and it was quickly confirmed that activity from this contractor was linked to a security incident, and the account was quickly frozen until it could be resolved. Okta confirmed that between the dates of January 16th and January 20th, 2022, Lapsus had accessed a support engineer's computer via a compromised remote desktop protocol session. RDP, as I'm going to call it, can be a useful tool for accessing a work computer from home without using a VPN to connect remotely, and it can also be used by administrators to troubleshoot by being able to remotely access a user's computer as if they were sitting at it. So far, it is believed that only one machine was compromised, and that the support engineer using it had pretty limited access to Okta, just basic support privileges that were granted in order to resolve tickets. None of this was disclosed until we jump all the way to March 2022, when on the 22nd, hacker group Lapsus of NVIDIA data breach fame posted screenshots on Telegram of Okta's internal systems, including Slack channels and a Cloudflare interface. Cloudflare being a web infrastructure and security company. A screenshot that looked a little bit concerning at first included a super user application, and in Linux systems, super user is associated with root or administrator privileges that can make very serious changes to computers. But in this case, this was an in-house application used by support staff, and it did not grant any high-level privileges. Lapsus themselves disputes Okta's claims that only one system was compromised, although at the time of writing, they haven't really released any more evidence to suggest otherwise. Lapsus also claims that the support engineer had higher level access than Okta claims they did, going as far to say that the support engineer had excessive access to Slack channels that they really did not need access to. According to Lapsus, support engineers could access any of Okta's Slack channels, and there were over 8,000 of them. Lapsus ended by challenging Okta to have a third-party forensics company investigate and publish their data, as the investigation done was internal by Seidel. Okta stood their ground in saying support engineers had limited access and were unable to access any data from customers. And, you know, given that Lapsus hasn't really leaked anything proving how much they could access, I am more inclined to believe Okta here. You know, put up or shut up, but given they are a cybersecurity company, it would make sense if they wanted to hide the scope of the damage, and they didn't even start disclosing information until Lapsus posted their screenshots, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see if anything else comes out. Okta themselves claims only about 366 companies were affected by this attack, which sounds like a lot, but this is only about 2.5% of their customer base. 
Octo was also pretty vague about how they were impacted, only saying that customer data may have been viewed or acted upon. I don't quite know what to make of that yet, especially considering the past contradiction that support engineers could not act upon the data, but with a lack of information, I really can't say much more. Okta has contacted all 366 companies affected and apologized for taking two months to say anything. So thanks Okta. There have been a lot of rumors going around about who is behind Lapsus. Some are saying that it is a 16-year-old from England who is the mastermind behind this Portuguese hacking group that was thought to be Brazil-based. I'm frankly not here to gossip about who it might be, because I don't want to throw any accusations out there without evidence that I have personally reviewed, especially not towards any minors. I will briefly talk about what interests me about Lapsus, and I'm not going to say any names. Lapsus appears to be a new hacking group, yet they keep hitting major targets at rapid speed like Nvidia, Samsung, Microsoft, and now Okta. This is the type of hacking that was popular in the 90s and early 2000s, which I do like researching, but it died down when groups would still hit bigger targets, but at a slower pace, and for much more of a specific purpose, rather than just fucking shit up. Sorry for my colorful language, but that's true. Lapsus is really interesting to me, because it seems like they're trying to be a ransomware group, but they don't exactly do ransomware in a traditional way. Traditionally, ransomware encrypts all the files on a device and demands a payment in order to get them back, but instead, Lapsus seems to steal the data for themselves and basically blackmail companies into releasing it by making demands, some monetary and some not. For example, they demanded NVIDIA to make their drivers open source or else they would release the information they gathered. Lapsus also has a bit of a following on their Telegram. They talk to people interested in the group, answer questions about targets, even vote on targets, and even try to recruit people from telecommunications and big tech companies to get insider information or somehow get themselves into the systems. Even though they've traditionally done ransomware type things, or cyber blackmail I suppose, this Okta situation is pretty different. It feels more like a statement especially because they brought up a pretty valid criticism of this corporation that helps other corporations with security actually having really bad security according to them. Ultimately, speculation on why Lapsus does what they do is just speculation and can get pretty wild, but there is another way to remind me of 90s and 2000s hacking. It looks like it's just for fun and chaos. As I was writing this episode, seven suspected Lapsus members from the UK were arrested aged 16 to 21. Again, I will not be naming names, because many of the people involved are minors and, you know, innocent until proven guilty. The father of one of the arrested 16-year-olds said he never suspected his child was hacking and just thought he was playing computer games, and you know what? I don't blame him at all. If you don't know anything about hacking, it's really hard to tell what it actually looks like. Just because someone has the command line open on their computer doesn't mean they're trying to break into the government. There's plenty of reasons to do things like scripting. You can automate different tasks, you can just experiment with things. And even if you are having hacking tools open, they can be hard to recognize unless you're reading the screen directly. And even if you are reading the screen, you may not even really know what hacking tools look like or what any of the stuff on the screen means. And well, even if you do know what hacking tools look like, well, my dad frankly would have no idea if I'm trying to hack the government because I am studying cybersecurity and a lot of my labs involve using hacking tools. Ultimately, the reason these members of Lapsus were caught were because they were brazen and not attempting to cover their tracks. When someone is hacked, evidence is left behind in logs. And if the hacker does not properly disguise themselves, these logs can directly lead back to them. Internet service providers also look for hacking behavior, are able to detect or report it, and even if you're using a VPN, you have to really trust the VPN or they could also very well rat you out. 
LabSus also used social engineering by calling different companies, trying to get information out of them that might help them break in, and if they weren't careful about that, again, that can also lead directly back to their own phones. It amazes me that these kids were able to hack such major tech companies so quickly, but I do think that it's reasonable. A lot of kids grow up with computers, and a lot of hackers are very intelligent people who try to work with computers as much as possible, and a lot of hackers are very creative people who are able to get around things either for fun or just to see if they can do it, and with those skills, they may choose to commit crimes. These are kids, and I'm not saying they didn't understand what they were doing, because 16 is definitely old enough to know that illegal hacking is wrong, but I do think that because they were kids, they had a bit of a sense of invincibility, didn't really fully understand the consequences, and, well, were drunk with power and just wanted to see what they could get away with. I will admit, as a kid, I did idolize hacker groups like Anonymous when they targeted websites sharing illegal and disgusting content, and even taking on some social justice stances despite originating from 4chan, the not very socially woke group. But something that's important and could possibly mitigate these young hackers is teaching them that hacking can exist in a legal and even in a competition setting, and getting people interested into ethical hacking as opposed to illegal hacking will only improve our security in the future. Hackers are frankly going to commit crimes if they're going to commit crimes, but if you guide young people down the right path with illegal cybersecurity, they may just be satisfied doing bug hunts, hacking competitions, or even just hacking ethically as a job, and, well, that job pays pretty big bucks. I'm not going to deny the existence of illegal hackers. Obviously, they still exist. I run a cybersecurity podcast about them. But the scene has shifted a lot. Defensive security professionals have acknowledged that we need ethical hackers in order to appropriately improve our security and keep up with illegal hackers. I will be following this group with great interest, because I do think they have the right idea and a potential future in legal cybersecurity. My name is Chloe Tonis, and thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Bite Size Cybercrime. If more updates come from Okta or Lapsus, I will try to make update episodes. Next week's episode was supposed to be this week, and I do reference it being the month of March, so I didn't want to edit that out. I'm sorry, I already fully did all the editing. This story just came up suddenly, and I had to strike while the iron was hot, so I hope you forgive me. Next week it is definitely April and not still March. Thank you to TechCrunch, The Hacker News, VentureBeat, and IT Pro for giving me a timeline of the situation as more information came out. In the future, I'll record episodes. Sorry, I didn't do this in the my pre-recorded ones that are going to be coming out till probably July. I'll try to announce my biggest sources, and if you want to, you can always find those linked in the episode description to check out for yourself. Until next time, stay secure!